The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Diana Games, who is the chief executive of the business consultancy Africa at Work. There's been a debacle in Nigeria in the last week or two, Diana, uh, and it's a shortage of banknotes. <laughs> yes, well, what happened, Bruce, is the Central Bank of Nigeria decided only in October this year, or, or uh, officially announced it, to swap the old notes for the for new notes um, in an effort to address the circulation of, of, of currency in the country, um, but also a lot of cash has been going into crime, such as fraud, kidnapping, etc. So it was an attempt to address crime, but also um, coming up is an election in two or three weeks' time. And the idea was a lot of politicians have stored piles of uh, banknotes in order to pay people for votes and things like this. This is the concern. So the idea was to put this deadline just before the election, 31 January. So the announcement for the new notes was made in October. Um, The new notes only came into circulation in December, and now the deadline is 31 January. So that is a very tight turnaround. Even in a a much more developed country, that would be a tight turnaround for for an exercise like this. You've got 200 million odd people, um, a lot of them not in cities or not in big cities, etc. So, of course, it's created a huge drama as it was always going to. Um, The deadline was too tight. And, uh, and and also Nigeria is very much a cash-based society, despite the best efforts to to change that over the years by the monetary policy people. So essentially now what's happened is demand and supply are completely mismatched. So so people just can't do things. The banks don't have enough new notes. Uh, people don't want to do transactions in garages and stores because they don't want to take old notes because they're waiting. They're also uh, new notes and show that's a whole drama, and it sends right across every kind of transaction at this stage. And uh, and the CBN, the, the central bank, just decided, no, they are not shifting that date. Um, in the end, at the weekend, I think the, the, this thing had just got so crazy that eventually they, they, they did extend the, um, the deadline, but they've only extended it by 10 days. Well, that's the last I heard. Um, so, so now it's the, the, it's the 10th of February. And, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense either because – that's not enough time to alleviate the problem. And there's already been reports that syndicates are starting to produce um, fake notes to meet the demand. And I mean, that is this whole exercise is designed to counter that kind of problem. So it's just one of those things, you know, it's just no matter which way you look at this, it's not working the way it should. So it's created um, a lot of hardship for people in in Nigeria. What a mess. I mean, you've really got to have your ducks in a row before you um, introduce a large scale change like that, particularly in a cash economy. Um, MTN and in Ghana, and this is turning into another one of these fights. I mean, MTN has had to fight in many jurisdictions over issues of taxation, over issues of of governance over issues of being able to repatriate its profits. Uh, and now Naledi Pandor this week, and she was right, I think, uh, Naledi Pandor basically saying, hey, 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 don't get me involved in your um, in your spat. This is between MTN and the Ghanaian government. I think she's right, isn't she? Well, you know, I think I, I, I hear you. Um, I think what, one has to take a step back in looking at this issue. Just to sort of recap that story, as MTN has been accused of under-declaring by 30% its revenues in four years. Now, like Nigeria in the past, this is a retrospective analysis of MTN's um, uh, business in, in, in Ghana. So 
Um, you know, so rather than dealing with this thing at the time, it's not clear why it's taken them so long to look back this far. So that's between 2014 and 2018. Now, the value is considerable, um, about 13 billion rand um, in dollar in, in rand terms with penalties and interest. Well, of course, a long way short of what Nigeria was asking for in a similar incident a few years ago, which was $5 billion, which was then ne- negotiated down to a much smaller figure. And there was the sense that, that, that you know, that, that, that it started, it'll seem not 5 billion was so, so radical that actually 2 billion would sound quite small at the end of that process. But anyway, that's another story. But, you know, Ghana is the third largest market for MTN in Africa. So it's a considerable concern for them that this has happened. And they've denied it heatedly, et cetera. So um, but now, as you said, Naledi Pandor, and I agree that, that you know, she has said, guys, sort this thing out. Um, but she did add that competitors from other parts of the world don't, don't appear to be subjected to the challenges that South African companies face in Africa. And as someone who's been covering this kind of patch for, for many years now, I've certainly heard that myself um, and and in a lot of places. Of course, it's mostly anecdotal. Um, it's comments that people have made, deals that haven't happened for reasons that haven't been properly kind of disclosed and so on. So it's often people think, well, South Africa at one time was positioning itself as being this kind of exception in Africa, which really didn't go down well in other African countries. Um, there was, you know, allegations of, of arrogance, which I think is largely a, a different business culture, but nevertheless, um, etc. But as I said, to take a step back, I think what, what we haven't seen in South Africa is a, is a strong kind of public-private partnership in investment in, in, in Africa and, and maybe other parts of the world. So you have this kind of divide between the public and, and, uh, public, uh, corporate sector and, 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 uh, the, the government where there's a kind of mistrust of, of, uh, the private sector. So the government does one thing, the, the corporate sector does its own thing, and there is, they meet occasionally along the way. And I think we've really lacked that. You see countries like China, um, like UK, America, et cetera, they are very, they have a very strong kind of cohesive strategy for this kind of this kind of investment thing, and and we don't have it. And of course, being another African country has really complicated that story in, in the sense that we, we needed to do things maybe differently and 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 even more cohesively than we have done. Um, but instead, we've seen a kind of a a, a real sort of breakdown in that uh, relationship in 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 the way that it could happen. And so that has left, I suppose, corporates more exposed out there. And and so in another way, you know, of course, people would say MTN is so big, it doesn't need anybody's help. But, you know, it's funny when, when, when things like this happen, you think, well, you know, where is the government? Who can step in to help this thing get resolved? And I guess the government is where people would look as a, as a kind of a, um, not a neutral party exactly, but a, a, as a party that's not directly involved. Okay. So I think there's a lot of issues there uh, as well as, as well as, you know, these issues. And then uh, a final one. I mean, we've been hosting international leaders for the last couple of weeks in South Africa. We had the Russian foreign minister. We had the U.S. Treasury secretary. And I see that the president of Belarus. Now, the president of Belarus, Belarus is a, a key ally in um, sort of the, the Russian um, sort of uh, center of the world right now. Um, and he was in Zimbabwe this week in some quite extraordinary scenes. What's Belarus's interest in Zimbabwe? Well, interestingly, um, Belarus has a long-standing relationship with Zimbabwe that goes back several decades, and and plays very much to the um, uh, the look east strategy that 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 started happening um, in fairly early days of of Mugabe's rule. He was 
you know, the West wouldn't support his kind of his his um, uh, the way he decided to to do things, and so the country and, and then there were sanctions imposed in in different ways, and so the country started having a look east policy, which included mostly China, but also Russia and presumably Belarus at the time, etc. So yes, Alexander um, Lukashenko um, is is in Zimbabwe at the moment, and there's a lot of um, very positive comments and, and speeches and people being bused to the airport to see him in and all of this um, coming out of Zimbabwe in the last two, uh, uh, two days. But, you know, remembering that, you know, he, that, that Lukashenko, people might say that, that, um, uh, that Munangagwa is actually not that different. Uh, Lukashenko won a sixth term in a, in a highly disputed sham, what people called a sham election in two, two, 2020. Um, and, and also had sanctions imposed against him, et cetera, related to the violent response to this. So, so it seems like a natural bedfellow, you could say, for, for someone like Monangagwa. Um, the, I don't know, I don't have an idea of the trade, but, um, I know that they're very busy with an agriculture mechanization, uh, program and they've brought in like 1400 tractors, combine harvesters, et cetera. Of course, on Twitter, the Zimbabweans are skeptical saying, well, who's actually going to benefit from these, all these machines that have been brought into the country? Um, you know, ordinary farmers won't see the benefits as usual, et cetera. So people are not feeling that this is going to be a, a good thing for, uh, for farming at a broader level. But nevertheless, he's there. Um, uh, Monagagwa is berating the West over sanctions. He likes to take any platform he can to talk about that. And of course, he has a receptive audience in somebody like Lukashenko. So um, but there's so much propaganda around these kind of visits. It's really hard to assess what's really being achieved. And Zimbabwe has a habit of overstating deals that never actually then happen. So, as I say, it's hard to see. But I think the optics are are, are there for everybody to see. I, again, because I've been chatting Nando's this evening, I've got that image of the, Nando, the Nando's last dictator advert that got them into trouble in Zimbabwe with Robert Mugabe sort of doing water pistol fights with Muammar Gaddafi and with P.W. Buerta on the swings and stuff. And I've got similar images of, <laughs> uh, of the Belarus president and Menongagwa also sort of playing similar silly buggers but that's my view on it anyway diana games thank you diana games is the chief executive of africa at work it's a business consultancy